Welcome to the first episode of the Puzzle Sports Podcast, the first episode and a little rundown about what this podcast will be about. This podcast will mostly be about sports, 90% about sports, and we will just be talking about what happens lately. Um, I'm your host, Seth Justice, and and I'm just going to give you a little quick recap on who I am, a brief recap on who I am and my favorite sports teams. Um, I am a big-time Denver Broncos fan. I've been a Denver Broncos fan my whole life. I became a fan when they had Jake Plummer as their quarterback in 2005 when I was about six or five. And Champ Bailey was on their team, and I sat through the Jake Cutler years. And then I watched the miracle in Mile High happen when Tim Tebow threw that pass to Demarius Thomas. And then I watched Peyton Manning become the quarterback, and now I've seen the recent struggles at quarterback. Well, from Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and now hopefully the end of it, Drew Locke. So, yeah, it's been – so that's that's my favorite NFL team, my favorite college team. I grew up a BYU fan because I live in Utah. I grew up a BYU fan, but I kind of gravitated to, away from them lately. So I wouldn't say I necessarily have a favorite college team, but right now I am cheering for the LSU Tigers. Go to Eggers. Go Tigers! Who they play to? They play tomorrow versus Clemson at this time, and I will be talking about that short. I will be talking about that during this episode. So I wouldn't say I have a favorite college team, but I guess I root for BYU. Um, but I really don't really care that much. All right, and my favorite NBA team, the New York Knicks. Yes, feel sorry, feel sorry for me. But hey, they won today, and we will talk about that too. And then. And then my favorite MLB team is the New York Yankees. Um, I'm a big New York guy. Um, I didn't grow up there or anything like that. I've always kind of gravitated to New York and the city and the vibe around it. And I just love the city. So, all right, let's just let's just get on into it because it was such a busy week in sports, really. I mean, the NFL divisional round happened, and I I, I always do like a little prediction with all my friends and. I think I got every game right, but the Titans game. And and let's be honest, no one got that game right. <laughs> no one got that game right because it was such a shocker. And but we're not going to start off with that game. We're going to start off with the first game of the week of the week of the NFL divisional weekend, and that was the 49ers versus the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings came in, I believe it was seven and a half point underdogs. Somewhere, I mean, uh, sorry, the Vikings came in as seven and a half point underdogs, and and but a lot of people for some reason, it might have been less than that because a lot of people were picking the Vikings. So correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, a lot of people were picking towards the the Vikings just because they came off that big win in the Superdome. I was not impressed by the Vikings, even in their win in the Su- Superdome versus the Saints. I thought they were very average at best i thought the saints had to play their worst game and they did for the vikings to win i really thought they were average and dalvin and when dalvin cook's not going for the minnesota vikings their offense is non-existent and that showed saturday saturday evening when the niners just took it to them it was close in the first half i watched the uh i watched the first half and then i i couldn't watch the second half but in the first half the niners marched right down jimmy garoppolo March right down after a quick three and out, but then the Minnesota Vikings responded with a deep touchdown to stop Stephon Diggs, and then the Niners responded with another solid drive. 
in the second quarter and then the Vikings. So it was 14 to 10 and you're thinking, and the Vikings, you got to go on at halftime. You're probably thinking we're in this game. And then boom, the Niners hit you with a 10, nothing third quarter. And then they finished off with a three, nothing, three, nothing fourth quarter. So final score, 27, 10, wasn't that impressed. I mean, Kirk Cousins wasn't great, 21 of 29 for 172 yards, a TD and a pick. But a lot of those yards came in garbage time. He had 89 yards in the th- like midway through the third quarter. So wasn't that impressed with him. And Dalvin Cook was non-existent, nine carries for 18 yards. And yeah, it just wasn't great. So And then you look at the Niners stats. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 of 19 for 131 yards with a TD and a pick. Didn't think he was great, but you never know. And then they... The 49ers kind of have a three-headed monster when it comes to running backs and who they are because with their three-headed monster of Te- of Tevin Coleman, Raheem Morstead, and Matt Breda or Breda, sorry, I mean that it, I mean they just dominate. They dominate the ground game. You look at it and they had uh, looks like 42 carries. Actually, we take that back. If you add, if you have Debo Samuel's and Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not going to count these Jimmy DeGroppolo's, actually. So they had 43 carries on the ground. 43. That's a lot of run plays. But if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And Tevin Coleman, sorry, uh, 22 carries for 105 yards and 4.8 yards per carry and two DDs. Morset um, had 12 carries for 58 yards and 4.8, 4.8 yards per average. Receiving, I thought Sanders only had two catch. Shout out to my boy Manny Sanders. Um, Kit, they didn't do much in the passing game, but defensively they were monsters. Especially Nick Boza, who had six tackles for t- and two sacks. He was really good. So you got to be impressed by. So you got to be impressed by the 49ers in that way. All right. So they move on to the NFC division. They move on to the NFC title game where they where they will play the Green Bay Packers when we will get to that here in a minute. Let's move on to the next game. We move over to the AFC. Probably the biggest shock of the season was the Tennessee Titans going into Baltimore and defeating and defeating the Lamar Jackson MVP season led Ravens. And well, they did it through one way and that's ground and pound 30 carries for Derrick Henry for 195 yards or 6.5 per carry. And you got to get, and Ryan Tannehill was only seven for 14 with 88 yards passing and two TDs. Also, Derrick Henry was one for one and threw a TD too. I mean, I want to talk, let's talk about this game for a little bit because I missed the first half of it and only got to really watch the second half of it. And I get on my phone and I look and it's 21-6 Titans. And it, it was just came as such a shock. Like I was wondering what happened and, Really, I felt like looking at the stats, I watched the, was able to watch the fourth quarter where Gar- Lamar Jackson got some of his garbage time throws. But Lamar Jackson was 31 for 59 with 369, 65 yards passing, a TD and two interceptions. He also had 20 carries for 143. So that means 79 plays for the Ravens, 79 of their plays were for Lamar Jackson. All but nine were for no, Lamar Jackson. But nine plays for Lamar Jackson. And that's that's a lot of plays. It basically felt like John Harbaugh said, Lamar Jackson, go do something. And you can't have that, especially when you have Mark Ingram as one of your running backs. I mean, 
I just the Ravens got outplayed. The Tennessee hashtag Titans up. You got to give them credit, especially to Derrick Henry, who is basically just a goal on playing running back for them. He's an absolute monster. But on the bright side for the Ravens, I know a lot of people might give Lamar Jackson hate. I know he threw two picks, but one of them was tipped and got intercepted, and the other one was just I was on his part. Like, so I got to give him credit. So I got to give Lamar Jackson credit because I don't think it was completely his fault. But I just think he got a better play calling by – and especially there was times I saw on the highlights where they didn't convert fourth downs, and that's that's really, really tough. So, all right, moving on. Moving on. We're going to done with that game. Congrats to the Titans. Underdog story of the season. Now they are in a 9-17 and that is now in the AFC Championship. Who would have thought? This team actually reminds me a lot of the Jaguars when the Jaguars made a run to the AFC Championship game. But – who knows? They could. Let's see if they give the Chiefs a run for their money. All right, the next game. Speaking of which, right into the Kansas City Chiefs, and wow, was this game a roller coaster of a game? Going to the Texan, the Chiefs have the all-time worst first quarter in playoff history. Like we just got to get that out of the way. They were dropping passes. They had a blocked punt, a muffed punt that was on their own tin. And they just were – and then Lamar Jackson took one drive, and it just looked bad. I'm pretty sure it was 24-0. It might have been 24. No, it was 24. It was 24-0, yes. It was 24-0, and the Houston Texans were in full control. And then, bam, out of nowhere, the Texans have the worst second quarter in playoff history and give up 28, and all of a sudden the Chiefs were winning. And once the Chiefs took the lead, I knew the game was over. You could tell the momentum was totally in the Chiefs' favor. And despite Deshaun Watson's 31 completions for 52 for 52 attempts and 388 passing yards and two TDs, two TDs, it just wasn't enough. They ended up losing by 20. Think about that. They were down. The Chiefs were down 24, and then they won by 20. That is insane. Um. Yeah, it was really just Deshaun Watson in the offense and DeAndre Hopkins, who had nine catches for 118 yards. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was 23 for 35 for 321 and five TDs. I'm pretty sure four of them came in the second quarter. He also had, he also racked up 53 yards on the ground. And Damian and Damian Williams also had 47 yards on 12 carries. Receiving Travis Kelsey had 10 catches for 134 yards. He's up there with one of the best, some of the best tight ends in the league. So Kansas City Chiefs took care of business like I thought. This Texans team is, I said this earlier, they are way too inconsistent with their play. Um, I watched the Broncos be up 35-3 to three on them, and I had no faith going into the playoff. And in the playoffs, they shouldn't have won last week. The only reason why they did win was because Deshaun Watson Basically put that team on his back when it was 16-0 and he led them a great comeback. So Deshaun Watson's a winner and you could see he put them on their back this game too. Just when your defense lets up 51 points, that's not good. And you have a series of turnovers in the second quarter. So shout out to Deshaun. Deshaun's still a baller. But the Chiefs take this one. And that brings us into our second game. Our third game, sorry. And it was the Green Bay Packers. Versus the Seattle Seahawks. 
And wow, this game was oh, this game was this game was wild. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it was back. It just it was really drama filled, if that makes sense, because. The Packers went up 21 to 3 going into halftime. And Aaron Rodgers looked like the old Aaron Rodgers. Finally, he looked like the old Aaron Rodgers. It took him long enough. He was, he, even though I was skeptical going to this game, I still thought they would win just because he was in Lambeau. And we know how hard it is to win in Lambeau in the playoffs. So he was 16 of, he completed 16 passes for 27 yards for 243 and two, and two TDs. Aaron Jones was a beast for usual 21 carries for 62 yards, but two TDs. And Devontae Adams, the big story, eight catches for 160 yards. And Jimmy Graham also got three catches for 50 yards. And was Jimmy Graham short? It looks like he was. But honestly, I don't think it matters because then the Packers would have just kicked a field goal. And if they make it, it's 10 points and the game's over. Or they go for it and it's an inch and they probably are going to get it. So... I don't think it's that big of a deal as the media is making it. I have already seen SportsCenter and a lot of other Instagram slash Twitter accounts post about them. So I don't think it's as big as a deal as people think. Maybe if the Seahawks want to have got down 21 to 3, they don't have to blame the refs. Just saying. And uh, But the reason why the Seahawks stayed in this game was the heroics of Russell Wilson. Um, I said this during the game. Russell Wilson is a top three quarterback in the league. He basically was the only, he kept him in it. Him and Tyler Lockett and Tyler Lockett had nine catches for 136, and Russell Wilson uh, was 21 for 31 with 277 and only one TD. Marshawn Lynch also got two TDs on the ground, but only 26 yards. Only had 26 yards rushing. So yeah, and it was just this was a good game because. I really thought the Packers were going to lose. They were going to blow it. They were going to blow it. And they didn't. They held on. I mean, I've kind of doubted the Packers for most of the years, uh, for most of the year. And, well, they're in the NFC Championship game. So, and they will play the 49ers. And that will be a fun, that will be a fun game. I'm excited for that game. And so that is it for the divisional recap. And now we have our NFC and AFC Championship game set. Thank God. Thank God we've gotten this far in the NFL season because it, but then again, it is sad because the season has just gone just like that. And it's just it's been a sad year. And so it's been kind of crazy. And so we got the Chiefs versus, we got the Chiefs versus the Titans as the early game in Kansas City. That will be a tough one for the Titans, but uh, people have doubted them all through a season, postseason. And we got the Packers going to the Niners and, in that game and that game will be fun. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for both games. Hashtag tighten up. I want the Titans to be in the Super Bowl. Why not them? Derrick Henry was right. And plus, never doubt Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. So, anyway, that's enough for the NFL division. I'm gonna go quickly to in the NBA. And guess what? The New York Knicks, my favorite NBA team. And don't ask me why. The New York Knicks picked up their 11th win this season. They now are 11 and 29. They took a 124 to 121 victory over the Miami Heat in Madison Square Garden. And looking at this game, the Heat led the whole game. I, uh, I was watching a little bit back and forth between that and the Packers game and the, and the Chiefs game. But so the the Heat led the whole game, basically. The Heat led the whole game until the fourth quarter when the Knicks had a 40 point fourth quarter run. 
run to take the to take the lead. And Bama Bio's shot goes in, but just after the buzzer. So let's talk about the Knicks in this game. Julius Randle, 33 minutes, eight rebounds, four assists, and 26 points. Very solid game from him. Reggie Bullock, who has not played a lot this year, it finally gets back. I believe this was either his first week or second week back. And he puts up 16 points and four assists. Taj Gibson had 14 and 8. RJ Barrett, the rookie, 40 minutes. He's playing insane minutes for the New York Knicks, but he had 23, 3, and 5. Very promising young rookie there. Kevin Knox had 17 points, 7, had 17, 2, and 5. Another young start. And Mitchell Robinson only had 2, but he only played in 15 minutes. So, good win for the New York Knicks. I never cheer for my teams to lose, even though the Knicks will not make the playoffs. I never cheer for my teams to lose because I want them to do the best as possible. I understand in the NBA, but you never know with the new draft lottery now, so they could still sneak into one of those top picks. Um, but on the year, uh, talking about the Knicks, it, when David Fisdale was their coach, it was so frustrating because I knew this team was way more talented than what they were playing. And ever since Mike Miller became the coach, they've kind of I knew they could be a 31 team. I, I wasn't expecting playoffs for them. I always joked around that they could make the playoffs, but uh, but that was ne- I was never serious about this. I always I thought they were a 31 team because I thought Julius Randle was going to be a stud after coming off an amazing year with New Orleans, and I was excited to see R.J. Barrett. And R.J. Barrett has been solid this year. Honestly, we look at his we look at R.J. Barrett's stats, and on the regular season, he's shooting. 39.5, which is basically 40%. 30% from three for a rookie. He's averaging 14.1 points per game. As a rookie, that's pretty solid stats. I mean, that's not amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's no John Morant, what John Morant is doing right now. But he's been pretty solid. And you got to give him credit for that. So, and I feel like the Knicks have an okay young core right now. Especially if they build off Kevin Knox and... And Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett. Mitchell Robinson's a beast, first of all. I love that DeAndre DeAndre Jordan is the one would be the would be the backup center. DeAndre Jordan took Kevin Durant away from us, and still salty about that. And guess what? Mitchell Robinson is definitely better than you. So, so good for the Knicks. They pick up a one twenty four to twenty one win. Um, yeah, moving on, and now. I'm just going to go off because this is the first episode. So, and so I haven't really done this. And I want to talk about the Denver Broncos season uh, because I didn't get to be able to talk to them throughout the year because this obviously this podcast wasn't a thing. So I just want to talk to them about them throughout the year. And the thing about the Denver Broncos is that. Is that they had such an up and down year? Oh my God! Talk about a year just a tr- full of emotions. Where oh, it was very frustrating at times. They started off the season all and four, and two games they should have been. Two, they honestly could have been three and one. They in the game in Oakland, if you remember right, they Joe Flacco, I believe, threw a pick. And they just played so bad in that game. So I'm not going to give it. But they should have been at least 2-2. Two and two. They lost to the Bears because of that terrible roughing the passer call. They also lost to the Jaguars on when they blew that too. And it was, oh my gosh. Fun fact, the Denver Broncos shut out the Tennessee Titans. And 
the Titans should be thanking us because we made Mariota look like such a bum that they for, that they were forced to bench him and play Ryan Tannehill for the rest of the season. So, Titans fans, thank the Broncos for kicking your ass in Week Six when we beat you guys sixteen to zero. Anyway, so they started off the season zero four in two games. They definitely should have won. I was at that game in Jacksonville. It was such a heartbreaker. The Jacksonville Jaguars won on a game-winning field goal, and they definitely shouldn't have. They, the Broncos dominated that whole first half, but then Rich Gangarello kind of went into that conservative play calling, and the Jaguars called their way back. I remember that whole game. They couldn't stop Leonard Fournette, and it was just a lost game. Slipped from our hands right from that. And another game you could say slipped from our hands was the Indianapolis Colts game. We should have won that game. We dominated the whole game just to let the Colts come back at the end and win. Just a very up-and-down season, and then that's the game Joe Flacco got hurt. Brandon Allen played against the Browns, and I thought Brandon Allen was solid. Um, once again, the Broncos were dominating most of the game, and then the Browns kind of clawed their way back into it because of the conservative play calling, and they ended up they ended up winning, so it doesn't matter. Then we had a bye, and then we played the Minnesota Vikings, and once again, we were dominating the whole game. The Minnesota Vikings, a divisional playoff team, we dominated the whole game just to let them come back due to bad play calling. And if you remember that final drive, their play calling was they didn't see – they looked like they had never ran a two-minute drill in their lives. They were terrible, and they ended up losing that game as well. Oh, you can see the first the first twelve weeks were very frustrating because because then we got smacked by the Bills. Brandon Allen looked terrible, and then finally began the Drew Locke era. Oh, I'm excited for this era. Drew Locke in the first quarter of the Chargers. I thought this guy was a god. I already I already ordered his jersey. I was so on the Drew Locke chain. And but then again, they dominate the first half, and the conservative play calling kicked in, where Rich Gangrello just wasn't good. And you could see, and you could see there was friction between him and Fangio. But they ended up sneaking away. They got lucky with a Casey Hayward pass interference. But that never would have happened if Deshaun Hamilton. Would have caught a ball. He would have walked into the end zone, but he dropped one late. And, yeah, that was just tough. But Drew Locke looked good in the first half, but they didn't throw it all in the second half. They were, like, scared to for some reason. And so, anyway, and then the next week, whew, my favorite week of about all week, December 8th, week 14, the Denver Broncos against the Houston Texans. They were up 35 against the Houston Texans, another playoff team who was up 24-0 on the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round. The Broncos were up 35-3 on them. Absolutely smacked in the round. The Texans scored in garbage time to make it look somewhat reasonable. Final score, 38-24. And Drew Locke threw his first 300 yards passing, and he looked like just such a stud. And that's when I was like, Drew Locke? Guys, is Drew Locke the man? Is Drew Locke the man? And I was high on Drew Locke before. The draft, you can ask my brother. I, I made an appearance on my brother's podcast, the Low Expectation Podcast. Shout out to him. Go listen to that one. Um, I, will, I have said on this, I want the Broncos to draft Drew Locke. And, uh, and the fact that we got him in the second round is such a win because we ended up getting Noah Fant too in the first round. And Noah Fant, I know some Bronco fans hate on Noah Fant, but I want to say, ask you why. Do you know how hard it is? for a rookie tight end to produce in the NFL. The only rookie tight ends that are produced in the in their like first NFL season or their rookie season was like George Kittle. That's it. Literally no one else. So and I think Drew I think Fan 
broke the record for or had has the he might have the most receiving yards for a t- tight end in in the NFL this season for a rookie. So they got the best tight end in the draft, and he's promising. He's fast. He's big. He's strong. If he can work on his blocking a little bit, then I think he could be a really. I think he could be a beast. He reminds me a lot of Kittle, just because of his speed. And I'm not saying he's going to be Kittle. He just reminds me a lot of Kittle. And then they, then the probably the worst game all season was when Drew Lock headed to Kansas City, emotional game. And I'm gonna cut him some slack for this one because he's a rookie QB. Going on the road to one of the best to a team that's now in the AFC Championship game, and it was snowing. It was a blizzard that game, if you remembered. And he made some rookie mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but you got to cut him some slack because of the conditions. And it was an emotional game. It was basically a return home to him. And and so I'm going to cut him some slack. And it's not like it was that big of a deal. We were already out of the playoffs by then. And then we played the next week versus the Lions. We took care of business there. That game never really was – I never really doubted it that we weren't going to win that game. We kind of dominated the whole game, except there was a time when the Lions were winning because they returned a punt. But and David Blyser's quarterback, you know I'm not scared. And then the Raiders, I'm going to not – and then we played the Raiders from week from week one all the way to week 17. And I'm not going to lie. The Raiders kind of gave us this one. They didn't convert on a fourth – they didn't convert on a fourth and goal on our own – on the Broncos one. Which, honestly, honestly, like, who was the Hunter Renfro, who easily could have scored, who probably did score on that game. Raiders fans, if there's Raiders fans listening to this, yeah, I, like, being honest, he probably did score, but hey, we're not gonna give it to you. And shout out to Shelby Harris for batting it down. Shelby Harris, Uh, Shelby Harris batted that ball down to secure the victory. Victory and the Broncos drew lock as a starter four and one. This Broncos team is promising, and I am so excited. The offseason is going to be interesting. Two key for actually, I'm gonna go. You know what? We're gonna go three key free agents for the Denver Broncos. This the big one is Chris Harris Jr. What do I think they will do with him? I think they're gonna let him walk, and I don't want them to walk because I love Chris Harris Jr. But Look, this one's really tough for me because at times Chris Harris this year wasn't good. He got absolutely burned on his coverage, and he just didn't look good at all. So I don't know. I uh, But I still want him because at times he did look like the old Chris Harris. But that worries me that he had some blown coverages. I think they should re-sign him for at least one more year. And I think they should sign another because the Broncos have, I think, $70 million in cap. And I think they should re-sign him. And they should re-sign him. And my other big free agent was Justin Simmons and Derek Wolf on that defensive sign. I think they should franchise Justin Simmons, franchise tag him, see what they can do with him. And then they should re-sign Derek Wolf. I, I kind of hated on Derek Wolf in the beginning of the year. I just didn't think he did a lot. But he really kind of came into his own, and it sucks that he had to get hurt. But I really thought he was impressive towards the end of the season. Also, they should re-sign Shelby Harris because I don't think Shelby Harris will be wanting that much. But he's a beast. Shelby Harris is good. And they need to sign a cornerback. I want them to get Logan Ryan, but I could also, but I think that should be their number one sign. But I also wouldn't mind the Cowboys or Eagles corners. Forget their names. Sorry. But I, I want Logan Ryan from the Titans. I think he's played really good this postseason, and I kind of 
I, I want that. I want Logan Ryan on the Denver Broncos. I'm not going to lie. And then I want the, and then the Broncos need to draft a wide receiver. They need to address the wide receiver position in the draft. And if Henry Ruggs is available at 15, they should take him. If CeeDee Lamb is available at 15, they should take him. Okay, that the Broncos need to get another weapon for Drew Locke. So if you guys, this is a potential, this is a potential starting lineup next year for the Denver Broncos in their skills position. Got Drew Locke at the QB, Philip Lindsay, who ran for his second straight 1,000 yard season, Cortland Sutton, who first at first season where he had 1,000 yards, and he was an absolute beast, most underrated wide receiver in the league. There, I said it. Um, Noah Fant. And Deshaun Hamilton, who kind of came along at the end. And Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb. Look out. If Drew Locke is who I think he's going to be, then look out for this team, man. The Broncos need to get better offensively. They only scored 17 points per game, which was 28. Only barely barely under 300 yards, 298.6, uh, which is also 28th in the league, and 194 passing yards which was 28th in the league so basically they were the 28th offense in the league they weren't great right but they were okay in the but they weren't even great in the rushing game they only had 130 yards rushing which was kind of disappointing because i thought that royce freeman philip Lindsay tangent would do better also another position the broncos need to address in the offseason is they need to get another lineman and i'm sorry bronco fans i hate to say it but they're probably going to keep terribles i know we were all frustrated with his holding penalties years this year but they're probably going to keep him. I expect him to stay. So they need to get better. And, and honestly, one thing they should do is give Mike Munchak, the offensive line coach, total control of the offensive line. Just let him get who he wants because I do think he's a good coach. And speaking of the coaching staff, the Broncos had big news this week today as they fired Rich Gangrello. And I was kind of surprised by this. And I did rag on him all, pod, all, all of the pod basically saying – that he was too conservative with his play calling, and it did cost us the Vikings game, the Jaguars game, and the Colts game, and could have possibly led to other games. But towards the end of the year, I really thought him and Drew Locke were coming along, so I didn't think they were going to fire him. But now that they have, uh, like it was kind of surprising, honestly. It was, yeah, I was not expecting that at all. But who they hired, I am actually excited. Pat, I I might be I want to say sure it's Pat Shermer. They hired Pat Shermer, the whole Giants head coach. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's the Pat Shermer. He was terrible for the Giants. Yeah, he was bad as a head coach, but that doesn't mean he's bad as an offensive coordinator. If you remember, he gave Case Keenum his truck contract for the Broncos. He got a big payday because of him. Case Keenum got a big payday because of him. He turned Case Keenum into something. And Drew Locke is way more, has way more talent than Case Keenum. It's just if, if Drew Locke can put us all together. And so I like the hire, and I think he'll be good. And look out for the Broncos next year, man. I'm really excited. This is the first time since the end of the Super Bowl season where I am actually excited to see these guys play. I'm excited to see these guys play in the next season. My prediction, way too early prediction. I expect, I think they're going to go ten and six, because frankly, they went seven and nine this year, and I know they won their last four out of one, but they played one of the hardest schedules in the league. They played it, and they should have won. The, they should have won the Colts, the Vikings, and they should have beat the Jaguars. There's three wins. They should have won. Boom, ten and six. We're in the playoffs, 
and the Texans are out. Texans don't do and just like that. So I think they could go ten and six, but they could also go six and ten or seven and nine. It just all depends on Drew Locke's progression. And Drew Locke's gonna be the starter next year. If he's not, then that's a freaking joke. Drew Locke has earned it. Big fan of Drew. Drew Locke has a freaking cannon for an arm. Um Drew Locke's stats this year in his first and his five games, he had a thousand yards, and this is in five games, a thousand yards, seven TDs, three picks, and a passer rating of ninety. And he was sixty-four percent completion percentage. That's pretty good for five games as a rookie. I mean, he was bad against the Chiefs, but every other game I thought he was solid, especially that Texans Texans game where he was a monster. He was an absolute beast where he was doing those little laser dance. Oh, Drew Locke is such a ball. And Drew Locke, oh. And even from Elway, Elway said unrealistic that Locke won't start in 2020. So he's going to start. And I'm excited to see what he'll do, especially with Fangio's defense because the Broncos' defense was really good this year. If they can just get a little bit deeper in their secondary, look out. This team's going to be good. I'm excited for the. I'm excited for them. Um, yeah, and that's basically it. That's all I have for today. Uh, that's all I have for this po- first po- episode of the podcast. Actually, no, sorry, I'm taking that back. LSU plays tomorrow. LSU versus the Clemson Tigers. LSU is undefeated. So is Clemson. It's a one v three matchup. And, oof, this is going to be a good game. I, I, for some reason, people always hate on Clemson, and I don't. I know they probably like the refs helped them out in their last game or whatever. But I think it's going to be a really good game. But guess what? Prediction: LSU, thirty-eight. Uh, Clemson, twenty-eight. Joe Burrow has five TDs. No, I'm going to give him four. Joe Burrow has four TDs for over three hundred yards. Once player of the game. You know why? Because Joe Burrow is a baller. I've been high on Drew Lark. I mean, not Drew Lark. Joe Burrow all season long. And I can't. That game's going to be exciting. I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be 38-28 LSU. LSU brings home a title for the whole state of Louisiana. And they're going to celebrate in New Orleans big time. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited to see that game. We will have a recap of that game. Or I will. I'm, it might just be me. But I will have a recap, a recap pod on Thursday about that game. While you're, by the time you might be listening to this, it might be over. So, but anyway, I got LSU by ten. That means they'll cover. I think the spread is five and a half. So, and yeah, um, Drew Locks a baller. And thank you for listening to the first episode of the Puzzles podcast. Hope y'all enjoyed.